Awesome. So um, let's turn our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And uh, we're continuing down our uh, Matthew uh, series and uh, certain themes that we've been looking at in the book of, um, in the book of Matthew. And, uh, and so this week, uh, I wanted to focus specifically uh, on Matthew chapter 10. And, uh, and so, and so we're, we're coming off of the back of Jesus having delivered um, what, what has become prominently known as the Sermon on the Mount, and we discussed the Beatitudes and, 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 and the different blessings and the reasons why we're blessed and all of that, and we're coming off of the back of that now, and, and, uh, and Jesus uh, now uh, starts to speak specifically um, to his uh, disciples, and so uh, this uh, chapter 10 is like a, a really big ordination sermon, um, and, G- and Jesus is ordaining uh, these disciples as apostles, as sent ones. That is what apostle means, by the way, is, is sent ones, and, and Jesus himself is the great apostle, right, because Jesus was sent into this world by God, and now he himself sends um, his disciples and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and gives them certain tools and and gives them authority, and he sends them out. And so the, the, the theme that we want to draw out in, the, in, this, um, in, the, in this section is just to look at how Jesus uh, both empowered and trained his disciples uh, for ministry and, and what we may receive out of that because we um, are sitting here disciples of Jesus. And we, 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 we know that, um, that, that Jesus gave the, 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 great, the great commission, and so go and make disciples of all the earth, and, and, and I'll be with you. So teach them to do all the things that I've taught you, what you've seen me do, you, go, you teach them to do. And as the generations have gone on, we um, have been imparted upon the, 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 the words, the teachings, the life of Jesus, and that's impacted our lives, and that's why we're sitting here, uh, because our lives have been transformed. And so we are disciples of Jesus uh, and so this uh, becomes important to us. Uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus prayed even um, in, the, in, the, in the great uh, priestly prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. Um, he prays that, that those, a blessing on those who would believe in him, on those who would who'd listen to the words of his disciples. Um, and that is you and I. If we have listened to the words of Jesus, have listened to the words of the, of the disciples, have been impacted by by these words and these, and, these, and, and these actions and these sayings that have echoed and reverberated through generation to generation up until this year, up until this lifetime and this generation, then we qualify as those that Jesus was praying for um, in his great um, uh, priestly prayer. Now, I want us to look, um, if we can go on to that next slide. Uh, this starts, so this is, the scriptures that we're going to look at today are, are, are specifically in chapter 10 of, of Matthew. And so this is, this is uh, verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is, has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received Freely you must give. Now, if you um, and we can stay on that on that scripture for 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 a minute. If you are you consider yourself to be a, 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 a 
member of Every Nation Rosebank, but you are specifically a 12er, then you know that um, we have a particular way of dissecting Scripture uh, that we've come to uh, form, form, form a habit around. Uh, and, and you know that if I'm highlighting or, 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 see, or putting in bold certain things, that there are certain things that uh, they're indicative of certain things, and we want to look out for those. And, and today is going to be no different, but except for one in one aspect. Today, you're going to share the load with me. Um, and so we're going to dissect some scripture together. And so I want to, um, if you have your Bibles, please, um, please open to the scripture. If you have it on your phone or take a picture real quick, uh, because I want us to have a, a quick engagement around the scripture, and we're going to then take it off, off the slide. Um, so that's Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, and we can then go on to that next slide, which is our discussion um, slide. And here's what I want us to do. Um, I'd love for us to get into groups three or four um, and to take a few moments to discuss these questions amongst ourselves. Look at the scripture, look at the questions, um, and let's benefit from shared wisdom. Uh, God speaks to all of us, and we all have the ability to hear from the Lord, and so let's, um, let's benefit from uh, communal wisdom here. So um, why don't you go ahead and, and, and find three or four people that are around you. Um, smile real nice, real big. Uh, give them a high five, and, and then just move closer to them. And if they look nervous, then your smile wasn't big enough. So let's just go back to step one and try again. And I want us to take just five minutes and just look at these. You don't have to discuss all of the questions. If you want to pick one or two that you feel like you want to stay on, then you can do that. But I want you to look at these. and to, let's, pick, let's pick the scripture apart. Okay. We can start to turn our attention back this way. And uh, this is for your benefit if you are listening on the podcast. I just want to read out the questions that we were discussing. The first question is, what is Matthew's purpose in mentioning the number 12 here? Uh, the second question, why did Jesus restrict them to preaching only to the lost sheep of Israel? The third question, what is the message of the kingdom? And the fourth question, in what ways have you manifested the kingdom in 2018? And if you are listening on the podcast, I want to encourage you to pause at this moment and to uh, digest these questions a little bit, maybe make a few notes before you uh, proceed. All right, so uh, how, how are we going to proceed is we would love for, to, for, for us to continue to benefit communally. So I want to hear maybe just from... Uh, different people uh, on on some of these questions. So as you were, as you were discussing some of the some of the things that were coming out. So if you want to con any question that you want to contribute to, just one question, very brief comment, um, and we will have uh, a, a mic that's going to roam around. But um, as as you were discussing in your groups, what were some of the things that were coming up? Who um, would like to uh, kick us off? There's. Okay, uh, do you hear, and then there's, there's the hand over, over there. Sorry, this is a bit naughty, but I want to bring it out. Uh, question one, I think it's because Matthew was a 12er. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that feels biblical, brother. <laughs> there's, a, there's a hand, yeah. 
So we were saying for the first question is that um, when you look at Jesus' disciples, there were 12 of them. So metaphorically speaking, so 12 signifies like the whole world, like everyone. So when Jesus say, go for it, like the 12 of you. So he's literally saying that everyone go out there. If he wanted like a few of us or a few people to go preach to the world to heal the lepers, he could have said, six of you go. But because he wants every one of us to go out there and help people outside, then he called on the 12. So I think the 12th number signifies the whole and not only few people. Awesome. Thank you. Let's have a few more contributions on some of the other questions. There's a mic on the way. Thanks. Are we doing the first one or the second one? Uh, you can cool. do the second one since we've done the first one. Okay, cool. So my answer for the second one kind of leads, the, my answer for the, our answer for the first one leads to the second one. So I don't want to take all the credit. It wasn't just me. Um, so he, he said that um, the, 12, num the number 12 is for the 12 tri tribes of Israel. So Jesus was sending them to the children of God, right? The 12 tribes, one disciple for one tribe. And then it leads us to the second one where he restricted them from going to Samaria because the Bible says something about um, give the bread to the children first and then the dogs can eat the crumbs or something like that. So, yeah, yeah so it was just... Well, I mean, it's in, <laughs> it's the, in Bible. the Bible. Come on, yeah. yeah right? it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Bible. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's um, why he restricted them because it was supposed to go to the children of God first and then it would trickle down um, from there, just kind of the order awesome. of... Yeah. Great. Can we have a contribution on the third question? Good day, church. I believe that um, the message of the kingdom is based on the body of Christ. Hence, the 12 were sent to the 12 tribes of Israel. I believe that God knew that, or Jesus knew that, Without those 12 coming together, the body of Christ, it's incomplete. So the lost, they also form part of the body of Christ. And the, the message is everyone has to have a relationship with God, has to know who God is so that they can relate to him as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on. Awesome. And, uh, and, and the question four, who would like to take a stab at that? Right up front here. I, th I thought we would have all eyes on the floor for this question. <laughs> um, question, I'll talk to question three, which leads into question four. Great. So, the message there was about serving because it talks about healing the sick, about giving, freely give, and uh, what you've uh, received, also give, and don't actually expect anything back. Don't expect any, anyone to serve you. So when you serve, don't serve expecting acknowledgement. Just serve for the sake of the, of the serving. So that, that was the message of you go out as the 12, you show the love of God as much as you've been shown the love of God. And um, across the group, we just looked at what are the things that we have done to show the love of God or to give back 
to, uh, to, to the society having received from, from God. And obviously we highlighted more, we had two worshipers in the team, we highlighted more them, the way they have sacrificed and given to, to the church in terms of preparing for worship and actually leading worship. And um, I think most of the people, each individual person has done something to show God's love and to give back. Great. Do you know what? I'm going to, I know that there were a few other hands, so I'm going to be kind and see if anyone wants to contribute to any of the questions um, quickly before, so before we, we, we proceed. There is a, a hand over here. The, the newly married Mrs. Uh, Moabelo. Yes. <laughs> um, the mic was a bit far, but I wanted to contribute to question two. And so something that was mentioned in our group, um, why um, Jesus restricted um, them to only the children of Israel, the 12, because um, they, the, the Jews first and then the Gentiles. I think Paul also mentions it later in the Bible because the Jews were the ones who thought they knew God, thought they were entitled to the kingdom of God. And when Jesus stresses the urgency, he, I believe, saw it fit to start with these guys who thought they knew it all. The people who thought they, they knew the kingdom, who, who thought they knew the Messiah, although he was in front of them, they could not even perceive him. So in order of urgency, I think Jesus saw it fit to start with these guys, to, to, to show these guys, start with the Jews and then the Gentiles. Because I think the Gentiles and the pagans and all of them, they had no sense of entitlement to the kingdom of God at that stage. So that's why then I, um, in our group we discussed that he did it in that fashion. Awesome. You can go ahead and give yourself a round of applause. Some, some valuable contributions. And um, uh, I don't know what you guys need me for. You guys have figured this thing out. Um, and, uh, and just to say, these are some of the questions that I would ask myself if I'm engaging with Scripture. So these are, it's good to ask questions. Um, the, the answer is not as important as the question. Um, the, the, asking questions it, it really does something to unlock our perspective as we're engaging with Scripture asking many questions, um, complicated questions, simple questions, uh, questions that lead us to investigate further and do and dig deeper and do more research. Um, so, so asking questions becomes important as we are engaging with Scripture. So let's go back then to that first uh, uh, Scripture slide um, and see if we can uh, address some, some of these questions and we, we, we compare our, our, um, our contributions and our discussions. So, one of the first things, right, and I've been talking to you about this all year, in fact, for the past two years, uh, is that when you come across a scripture and you start reading, and it says something like, these 12 Jesus sent out, these 12, what is the first thing that you have to ask yourself? Which 12? Exactly. So, when you come across a, a, a piece of scripture like this, you have to know that you are stepping into the middle of a conversation. Whatever you deduce from here is going to be incomplete because you don't have an understanding of the full picture. You, you, it's like walking into the middle of, the, of a debate and hoping to make a meaningful contribution. You have to take a step back and appreciate the whole context. So when, when the, the scripture starts in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out, we have to ask ourselves this question, which 12? And so it's beneficial for us then to take a few steps back. And sometimes you can take a few steps back, a few verses back. Sometimes you have to take a chapter back. Sometimes you have to take a few chapters back to really have, get, get a fullness of understanding of context so that going forward, you're making the relevant conclusions. So in this particular context, 
would have to just go back to the beginning of chapter 10. And if you brought your Bibles with you, have a look at that because we're not going to put it up on the, on the slides. Now, chapter 10 says uh, from, from verse 1 that, and when he had called uh, his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So when he's saying these 12, this is who he is talking about, and this is the context. He's just called them to himself, and of course, we're not going to go all the way back because that's what we've been doing for the last two weeks, um, is looking at the build-up to this moment. Um, so from how Matthew started, uh, introducing this, this, uh, this writing to his Jewish audience, to the teachings of Jesus on the, on the, on the, on the mount, and now to him calling, appointing uh, these, uh, these disciples as, um, as, as apostles. So, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter into the city of the Samaritans. The important thing for us to note is that before he called, the, sorry, before he sent them out, as we're taking a step back and we're appreciating the context, before he, call, before he sent them out, he called them to himself and he did something really important. He not only commissioned them, but he empowered them. So the scripture tells us that he gave them power. He gave them power um, to, to, to cast out unclean spirits. He gave them power to heal all manner of disease. And so he set them up for success. Before he, he sent them out, in fact, this is after some, this is, uh, you know, after some time uh, that they've been walking with him. So they've had a, an opportunity to walk with him a little bit, to observe him, to sit under his teaching, to ask various questions, to receive correction and equipping, and then he calls them aside, appoints them as apostles, and sends them out. There's process here. Jesus prayed, trusting for God to show him who the disciples were, whom he were to call to himself, called them, but didn't immediately entrust them with this great level of authority. He allowed them to walk a path first. See, um, uh, uh, Timothy puts it this way. He says, Don't, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. We need to, we need to test. Uh, we need to, to, to allow a, a process of probation. We need to allow character to be formed or to surface before we entrust people with this kind of authority, and this is what Jesus was modeling um, even in this scenario. Um, so th th there's a saying that says, some, some people's sin goes before them, um, some, some follows. Um, and so, and so uh, you, 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 you do yourself a disservice to, by being uh, overly impressed by someone because of their charisma, because of their speaking ability, or because of their evident gifts, etc. But the real test is in diligence of character, faithfulness, Christ-likeness, the fruits of the Spirit, those kind of things, that's where, uh, you, you, uh, it, that, that's where even Christ would look at that and start to uh, 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 
hand over authority, trust those people more. And so as you're walking with Jesus, there's a progression that you may have noticed even in your own life where the kind of authority, the kind of influence, the kind of revelation you have now is different from what you had right at the beginning because you had to walk a process of trust, of development, of Christ-likeness. Um, and that will be your life. You'll continue to do so, and God will continue to trust you with more and more authority and more and more influence um, in, the, in the things of the kingdom. So he says to them, having called them, having appointed them, anointed them as apostles, um, he says, don't go into the way of the Gentiles uh, or enter into any of the towns of the Samaritans. And we ask ourselves the question, why? Why would Jesus... Oh, by the way, before we, we get there, we had asked the, the initial question, the 12, why, why is that? And that emerged as we were talking that uh, symbolically and biblically speaking, that number 12 was representative of the whole uh, house of Israel. Uh, and, and so the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And so Matthew laboring this point that the 12 disciples were called. Jesus had many disciples, right? Uh, by the way, he had many disciples, many followers, but he called these 12 specifically. Matthew points that out specifically because he wants to highlight what follows on, that Jesus was calling these guys uh, to, the whole, to the whole house of Israel. Because like somebody said, first the Jew, then the Gentile. Salvation, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. The Jews had to be given an opportunity to receive and or reject the, the, the salvation before it was offered to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles is pretty much anybody who's not a Hebrew. Um, so if you're not a Hebrew, you're a Gentile. So do not go amongst the Gentiles or to any, any of the towns of the Samaritans. The second reason, the second probably uh, less prominent reason why Jesus was telling them not to go into these towns is because this is the very first mission that he's sending them on. This is, this is in essence, their training mission. And so he instructs them and he tells them what they ought to do and how they ought to, what they ought to say and when they enter into a town and we'll get into that just now and all the different things that they ought to look for. He basically gives them play by play and then he sends them out two by two to, um, to, uh, to, to implement but the importance of him giving them the restriction of I want you to stay within the, within, within the bounds of, of, uh, of Israel is that it's their first mission and they are not yet equipped for cross-cultural missions. Uh, they, they, to the Jewish mindset, salvation is purely and exclusively a matter of the Jews or for the Jews. And so the concept of Jesus coming for the world was not something that was that readily sat with them. It's not something that, 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 they, that, that they had already contended with and accepted and were living out. And so to them, this was their Messiah who has come for us and now for, for him to now introduce the, the concept of now everything that I'm teaching you, I want you, you to go and introduce it to everybody else would have been difficult um, for them to process. Uh, and they had not yet been trained, right, to, in, to, in, to interact with uh, cross-culturally, so he sends them on a mission that they can succeed in to a people whose language they understand, whose culture, whose ways they understand. And so he doesn't set the bar so high that they are unable to achieve it. 
So he says this. He says, go, go into these areas. Avoid the, 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 the Samaritan towns. Don't go down the roads that lead to the Gentile areas. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the message that you are to proclaim. Now, that doesn't mean that they walked around all day saying the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Maybe they did as an opening line. But this was the, 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 the premise. Of, and, and this was what they, what they had to build on. The kingdom of, of heaven is near. Now let us tell you what that kingdom looks like. If you want to find out a little bit more, we're here to give you an important announcement. The kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of heaven has arrived, and this is what it looks like. What does it look like? Tell us. You're talking about this kingdom that we've, we, we've, we've been waiting for, the ushering in of the Messiah. You're telling us that it's here. What does it look like? Where do we go to get citizenship in this kingdom? And so they would have had to now start to unpack what this kingdom looks like, which is why Jesus, right after giving them the core message that they are to preach, tells them in verse 8, you are to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Because the kingdom is not just a matter of words. Don't just go tell people that the kingdom, if you just go tell people that the kingdom is here, some may believe you, some may call you hypocrites, some may call you liars, but if you go and you tell people that the kingdom is here, and then you demonstrate the fact that the kingdom has arrived by healing all manner of disease and driving out demons, you leave people without excuse. They now cannot contend with you based on whether or not the kingdom is here. They must contend with you based on whether or not they want to be part of it. In today's society, we've fallen into the trap of, of a words-based kingdom. Our kingdom is a kingdom of words. It's a kingdom of, of, um, of t-shirts that, have, that has you know, nice scriptures on them. It's a kingdom of stickers that you put on your car. It's a kingdom of Facebook posts. It's a kingdom of words, but it, it does not have power and therefore does not compel people to enter into this kingdom. Because words can be met with other words. Words inevitably fall into the category of opinion. So now we're trying to live out this kingdom, but basically we're living out a kingdom of opinion. I have the option to receive your opinion or not. In fact, I have the, opinion, uh, I have the option to go, we can continue to hang out in September. You, you know, that's your opinion. I have my own thoughts, but let's drop this one and let's continue on. Isn't that the basis of most of our friendships? Most of our friendships with people who are unsaved today, are not in the kingdom today, is on a mutual agreement to leave stuff, the, un, the, 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 the dangerous topics alone. Politics, religion, whatever. Your opinion, your lifestyle. But Jesus was ushering in a kingdom that was both words and power. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out the demons. 
freely you have received, freely give this kingdom. Immediately, he sets up in opposition to the kingdom of darkness. The devil is an unclean spirit. God gives them authority over unclean spirits. So one of the first things that he does upon, upon appointing these apostles is he sets them up to confront the kingdom of darkness. And so it's kind of a weird situation because they still have to live out the rest of, of time, but in one kind of fell swoop, Jesus has kind of gone game, set, match. You actually have authority over the unclean spirit. You don't have to compete with the unclean spirit. You don't have to be scared of the unclean spirit. You don't have to go find a pastor when you come across an unclean spirit. You have power over that unclean spirit. Jesus has delegated that authority over you. Do you know who knows that you have power and authority? Unclean spirits. Do you know who doesn't know? Often us. Often we're the clueless ones, walking around scared and fearful, and the enemy plays around with that. The fact that we don't know the kind of authority that we have. Because if we know the kind of authority that we have, then we will step into that authority, we'll use that authority, and he will have to comply. But as long as we remain in ignorance and fear and intimidation, he can do what he wants. And that's the mind game. That's, the, that's why it's all, you know, this battlefield of the mind and the, and the enemy tries to play smoke and daggers with us and keep us in a place of ignorance and fear and intimidation. Now, Natasha, please pass me this um, sign here. This is a sign. If you're driving into the church and you uh, have a baby with you, you're happy to see this sign because this means that there's reserved parking for you and you don't have to drive around trying to find parking. This sign makes sense in context. I'm driving in. It's Sunday morning. I'm looking for parking. There's a thing here that says reserved parking. This sign makes no sense outside of it's context. Why am I laboring this point? The power that Jesus gave the disciples is a pointer and a sign to the kingdom. It makes no sense outside of that context. So if we try and separate the two and we try and set up a ministry of power, we are missing it. That's not the kingdom. It's not a kingdom of signs. It's not about taking the signs and forming and, and pitching a tent there and forming a ministry. Amen. This is pointing you to where you need to go. And so we get into the, into the trap of man. We prayed for somebody and they got healed. Healing ministry. You know? Let's, let's have a constitution. Let's have a brand. Let's sign. Let's start a, let's register a company. We're going to sell some stuff. We're going to. 
Now, if I'm throwing shade, it's not intentional. (laughs) I'm just trying to teach what's in the Bible. Heal. Cast out. But in context, with purpose. If you're discipling somebody, if I want to tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you have a demon in you that manifests because that demon doesn't want you to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cast that demon out. Why? Because it's in the way. You know what I'm not going to do? Is now set up a demon casting ministry. Because that's in the way now. That's in the way of the kingdom. The kingdom, as Jesus taught it, is something that, he he taught it as something that becomes an internal reality, that starts as an internal reality, a seed that is sown, that when it grows, and when it comes to fruition, influences your external. So the kingdom is not a destination that you go to. It's not somewhere that where you end up. One day, as a disciple of Jesus, when you die and you go to heaven, that's not when you enter into the kingdom. It's not a destination that you go to. And that's what the Jewish people failed to understand because they were looking to usher in a physical kingdom. And Jesus was, was saying, the kingdom of heaven is not a physical kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is an internal reality Lights that come on and suddenly you realize that the rules that you've played by all your life don't matter and you can disregard them and you can start to play by a different set of rules and and it influences your external circumstances and it upsets people who are still operating by the old rules because all of a sudden you get to operate by a different set of rules that makes no sense. Why are we stressing when you are and you are not stressing. Why do we want to flee the country when you are at peace to stay? Why are you speaking life in a situation that is obviously dead? It's because the kingdom that is in me is greater than the circumstances that I live in. That's why Jesus could sleep in the middle of a storm. In the ocean, in the storm, rocking boats, Jesus fast asleep. Why? Because his internal state wasn't determined by the storm outside. The kingdom was so real inside of Jesus that it didn't matter how the boat was rocking. It didn't matter what was happening around him. He could be informed by the reality of the kingdom. And when the disciples who were still having the kingdom develop inside of them and hadn't quite caught on were being externally influenced and waking him up and going, how can you sleep at such a time like this? Don't you even care that we're about to die? Do you know what Jesus does? He wakes up from his sleep and he releases the internal kingdom into the external circumstances. And he goes back to sleep. The Bible doesn't actually say that. I like to think that he just went back to sleep. So the external circumstances had to comply when Jesus released the kingdom because the kingdom is superior 
And so as Jesus is discipling you and I, the way that the kingdom has to grow inside each one of us is to the extent that not only do we stop getting informed by our external circumstances, but we can even elevate that. Now we can inform our external circumstances. Now we can tell the storms, peace, be still. We can tell the storms, I have peace inside of me. I don't know what you're bothering about. Actually, you're not bothering it, but it's, it's bothering the people around me because they're still growing in the revelation of the kingdom. So just stop it. I need to get back to sleep. That is the kingdom at its fullness. When the kingdom has taken root inside each and every one of us. Now, <laughs> just saw the time. Is that a good place to leave it? <laughs> We're going to leave it there. Somebody said, what would Jesus do? <laughs> Don't ask those things. You know, Paul once preached so long that a boy fell, fell asleep and, and fell out of a window and died. He had to just go downstairs and resurrect, just release the kingdom over you, stop being informed by your external circumstances, just come back. And you know what he did? He went back upstairs and started preaching again. <laughs> I don't know how the crowd felt about that. I think, I think some, some of them, when that boy fell out the window, saw that as an answer to prayer. <laughs> Guys, I, I, I feel good about leaving it there. I, th I think if, we take, if, if that's the core message that we're taking home, then we've done well. Um, and if that's the core message that we, that we take into our families and our, in our, into our workplaces um, and into our storms, um, then, then I think that we've done well. One of the other reasons I want to land it here is because we, because it is our last uh, service today, we have prepared some, some eats and some fun stuff um, in the foyer that we want you to engage around, and so we want to, uh, want to give you time to do that. And so um, as we, the, the important thing is just that please, those, um, those of you with kids upstairs, before you engage around the food, etc., please make sure to fetch your kids upstairs and, uh, <laughs> and then come back in. I think there will still be some food left. Uh, but don't hold me to that. Uh, but fetch your kids anyway. Awesome. Guys, God bless you. You guys are amazing. You guys... You guys are pioneers. And you have pioneered a new work. And, and, and you have changed your rhythms and your lifestyles to make this work. And without you, this doesn't work. But with you we are still going to glorify God from glory to glory to glory. 20, 20, where are we now? 20, 2019, 
we're going to take some awesome new ground. Guys, have a great break. Um, and we're going we're gonna to start up again in 2019. 13th of September is going to be our first service back. What did I say? Listen. <laughs> January. 13th of January. Yeah. 13th of January. That's, that's going to be our first service um, for, for, the, for the new year. Um, don't use that as a loophole. <laughs>